so Lisa, as usual, I am usually very eclectic when it comes to my reading and listening and studying and reflecting. And once again, I found an interesting article about the strong black woman trope and how it's kind of a double-edged sword for women to kind of live up to these expectations. But what happens when you just don't feel like it? And mm -hmm. we could go into black women specifically, but I think there's a lot to be said uh, just in general for women. Um, and so, yeah, I just want to flesh this out because I still don't know how I feel about this particular trope. Yeah, I've definitely heard of it before. And you're making me think of that Karen White song from the 1990s, Superwoman, which I like loved. And I have vivid memories of me and a friend like singing to it, like in her bedroom. Is this karaoke? Is was this karaoke back well, then? I, I don't think it was like legit karaoke, you know, it was trying to be like cool and you know, right, sultry and sexy like she was at like whatever age I was, like 14 or something. I don't know. <laughs> but um oh. anyway. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, look, I don't know if this is gonna be sexy and sultry as far as this conversation is concerned, but um I, I can't help but giggle when I think about uh Karen White, but yeah, let's talk about this idea of superwoman. Should we hold on to it or let it go? I don't know. Let's dive in. I'm Dr. Shauna Payne-Gold, and I go by she, her, her pronouns. And I'm Dr. Lisa Ingefield, and I go by she, her, hers. Welcome to Unfazed, a podcast to disrupt your normal and challenge your brain to go the distance. So, Lisa, it's been a frustrating um, thought process for me when it comes to the superwoman idea. And I think part of it is because, let me go into my intersectionality as both a woman and a Black woman, it's almost like a weak Black woman is non-existent. Like, you're not going to hear anybody say that. I mean, I've even noticed some of my friends who are in their hardest moments and the first thing they say is that they want to be this model of a strong black woman i'm thinking to myself yeah i would consider myself relatively strong but is that necessary all the time in every situation in every way i i think you know this strength is a great thing but when do we let it go i mean when do we uh really declare that that strength trope doesn't serve us at all times and in all places and situations. Right. I mean, it's also, it is like, as I understand it, you know, kind of presenting as a strong black woman in particular also then elicits critiques of you being aggressive and angry. Right. Mm. Yes, so, yes, you know, yes, and yes, so yes. then, so I think around even the word strong, you know, how that is, um, given positive or negative connotations based on who you are. And so, you know, I think strength in the endurance industry in the endurance sports industry, especially for women, um, you know, this idea of being strong. And so, 
you know, like I think it was in like strong is the new skinny or whatever. And you think about those horrible like 1990s or yeah. late 1980s kind of where the waif white woman, right? And that was kind of this mm-hmm. attainable desire. Strength was nowhere around at least in in public media and at least when referencing white women. And now you have the the narrative has shifted and connected strength and health, Um, but strength for some women as a label Mm -hmm. is also really detrimental um, because Mm -hmm. it, yeah, because of what you just said, right? Like what are those expectations that it creates both within your community and people um, on the kind of quote unquote outside. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and you know, uh, I think that's good critical thinking, Lisa, because, um, with both of us, when it comes to critical thinking, it's like, okay, yay. You know, I, I love to note when I observe and interact with very strong women. And (laughs) the flip side of that is, What happens when someone is not feeling particularly strong and it's not even healthy for them to portray that they are feeling strong? And how does that parlay into the plethora of challenges of mental health? And I I just think that it goes down a long rabbit trail to think about when women are expected to be strong 24, 7, 365. It's like, wait a minute. Uh, yes, we are and can be, but I it, maybe it's like this double entendre of strength where it's like, yeah, I can be strong whenever I feel like it and whenever I want to, but I'm also strong enough to know when I don't feel like being strong and mm-hmm. I feel like mm-hmm. getting in bed and I feel like not facing the world or I feel like being lazy or I don't do that workout because I'm still going to be okay missing that one workout, whatever that may be. And so, you know, I, I'm just wondering how that feeds into mental health and this exhaustion that so many women don't want to admit to you know so like mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. um that meme I don't know if you've seen that meme in social media it's been floating out there for a while now but it used to be um she what was it I she knew she could so she didn't and she laid down and took a nap like oh okay like this whole thing. <laughs> when I first read it I was like yeah she can you know power. we are powerful but the power of saying nope, I don't have anything to prove to anybody. I'm going to sit down. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. What have you? I I just wonder if we keep falling on our own sword when it comes to this uh, superhero that we don't always have to live with. Yeah. I mean, I think the narrative of superwoman is was constructed culturally, right? It grew out of, um, Mm -hmm these expectations around women being able to do everything and a lot of uh, responsibility on women, particularly as women began to enter the workforce and then thinking about they still maintain primary caregiving. Um, Mm -hmm. And then when you think about COVID and then they also became teachers of their kids if they had kids and were still doing all these things, right? And so the superwoman trope, yeah, has kind of like been pushed on people. It's experienced differently based on your race, class, you know, and other identity markers. And we, yeah, like the falling on your sword, it's like, it's been internalized, right? Like that's the only way Mm -hmm. to be. And then the media reinforces it. Like that's a cool thing to do, to be able to do everything. And we don't associate the term superwoman with taking a nap, 
right? With self-care, with saying, yeah, I can do that, but I'm just not going to because I don't feel like it. Like that doesn't fall into this construct of superwoman. And I'm thinking about um, in the trials, in the Olympic trials, right? If you remember Alison Felix and um, uh, what was her name? Canera um, Hayes. Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. They both Mm -hmm. made it. And their two kids met on the track afterwards. And all the commentators could start talking about was, oh my gosh, they're moms, they're moms. Yay, look at the moms. Isn't that cool? Look at all they're doing. They're going to the Olympics and they're moms, right? And we've talked a little bit about that and how annoying uh, yes. that is. For so women. problematic. Mm-hmm. But, um, there, there was an article about it, right? And what was it titled? Super moms or something? Yeah, super mommies. I mean, that was the exact title. Super mommies meet on the track. I'm like, really, y'all? Okay. Right, right. So there, and then, you know, I look up to Allison Felix, as do many people. So then, you know, she's quote unquote doing it all, right? And Mm, also mm -hmm. identifies as an African-American woman. So you've got Mm -hmm. some reinforcement there. And then you have the media layering on this super mommy. um, Mm. Mm-hmm. this language right that then constructs her in a kind of pedestal puts her up on a pedestal um, yes, yes. which isn't fair mm-hmm. to her and it also isn't fair to the people that look to her as a role model right 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 exactly well and you know I I always throw it back again going back to our critical thinking around the superwoman trope is that do we do the same thing to other folks that don't identify as women you know, do we say Superman about a man that happens no. to be a dad that also, Rarely. you know, like, come on, like, we can even look back at the media coverage of my favorites, you know, Rennie and her husband, Tim O'Donnell. Everyone is waiting around in bated breath with bated breath around her, quote unquote, comeback um, from her son's birth. I'm like, OK, this is getting really interesting because there's this comeback going on with her from uh, giving birth a second time, in addition to her husband's comeback from having a literal heart attack. Which one is being covered the most? I, I, I still don't think we've let go of the super mommy trope for Rennie in comparison to Tim O'Donnell literally beat a widow maker. I don't even like that language, but that's the medical terminology that's used for the type of heart attack he had. And there's still an imbalance in coverage on both of those because Rennie, as a woman, is expected to be super something, and Tim O'Donnell is expected, I guess, to just continue being whatever, super. I I don't know. It's just, it's very frustrating. Well, that's just normal male behavior coming back from a really bad heart attack and then going on to do an Ironman, right? Like, that's just like in their genes, they're just, quote, unquote, strong enough to do that, whereas- That's what they do. Or someone who gives birth to a child, my goodness, that's going to take a toll. And it does take a toll on the body. Like, but you know, but yes, goodness, yes, yes, if yes. they come back from that, then they really must be a superhero, right? Because gosh, whoo. Because you got one foot in the grave after you have a kid, right? It's right. Like, like your life is worthless after you pop out that child. Thank you very exactly, much. Exactly, like, right? Really? You're so fragile. You couldn't possibly come back unless you had superpowers. There you go. There you go. Well, you know, I one of my favorites in in social media, I've been watching uh Kadeen Ellis who has she's an actress and um she just gave birth to her fourth son and she and her uh husband went out for kind of a date night for her birthday a couple of weeks ago and 
everyone was talking about the snapback of her body and so forth. And, and uh, I'm not going to get into the snapback and body image. That's another podcast. But what I am going to acknowledge, though, is how interesting it was when she continued to talk about, I don't feel like being a superwoman because my body is created to give birth. And that in, a, in and of itself is normalized for my body as a woman, as a parent. And so therefore, I'm not sitting back like I'm the miracle, the child is the miracle, but my body just simply did what it was supposed to do. And so, you know, there again, we're walking this fine line of acknowledging a, a parent that gives birth and what it takes to do that, while also not... Um, Look, can can we talk about super mom porn or super woman porn? You know, similar to you know. I, I mean, I'm just. I yeah, think it's I so. that. It, it may be. I don't know. I'm making this up as we go along, y'all. But you know, right. there's something to it where we're putting folks on a pedestal when maybe that isn't where we need to go with that, and it can be mm-hmm. dangerous. Yeah, that's such a great point, right? So, in terms of inspiration for the quote unquote average woman, you elevate. Oh, athletes or individuals who are doing four bazillion things, you know, giving birth to 19 children in a year or something ridiculous like that. Right. right, right, And then, so then how does that affect our feelings of inadequacy? Um, You know, well, you know, if she can do it, then why can't I, which is very similar to the um, inspiration porn as it relates to folks with disabilities. Absolutely. I think that's a really great connection. Um, Shauna, and then I also think about the other piece here that's playing into it, right, is the fact that these this need to um, take on these kind of extraordinary behaviors and attitudes and activity is because we exist in a society that is constantly telling women they can't, right, and Mm -hmm. that um, you have to work 10 times harder than a dude to get recognition at work, or you have to do... um, this much more training or, you know, advocate for yourself this, you know, much louder because women are invisible and women don't get attention. So there's also that piece. Yes, so you've yes, got yes. this heavy focus on the super mom and the superwoman through the media, while at the same time, kind of the media and kind of our cultural norms that make women invisible and create wage discrimination and other discriminatory Mm -hmm. behaviors, then kind of create the conditions where women have to take on the superwoman trope. So it's like this vicious cycle. Right, right, exactly. So going back to what we always try to do is not only look at the individuals that are affected, but the context that creates it, you know, think about the context that has created even the necessity for this superwoman trope, you know, it's, and we see it with athletes and non-athletes, but, you know, some of the first ones I thought about, of course, was Serena Williams and playing in the Australian open when we estimate that she might've been around eight or nine weeks pregnant and won the Australian open while she was pregnant with Alexis jr. You know, I, I think that, and let's, let's put a pin in it for, what it means to name a little girl Alexis Jr. By the way, let's let's flag that for another day. But there's so much to be said about a Serena-ish figure um, and that whole coming back, dealing with the pressure. You know, most 
women and people who give birth, folks are looking at their watch like, mm, how long is it going to take? You know, Rennie, how long is it going to take for you to get back to the podium at Kona? And how long is it going to take? And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, this is an interesting and unnecessary bar for anyone to cross. Yeah. In order to be mm-hmm. considered human and powerful at the same time. Yeah. And then if they don't make it back, so, you know, Serena mm-hmm. not being as um, powerful in terms of the kind of winning, the winning of the tournament. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I'm thinking Rachel Joyce, Rini, other triathletes yeah. who have come back yeah. after giving birth and haven't then gone back straight back to the podium. Then there's like this unspoken, like, oh, well, your time is over, <laughs> right? Oh, but, but also, yes, yes, but like yes, 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 concurrently, yes, yes. this, you're a super mom. So it's like this really, this is tension. It's really effing confusing and uncool and not fair. <laughs> I mean, like no, there's my critical analysis. It is uncool, right. people, but uncool. We are, we are very scholarly on this podcast, Lisa. <laughs> it, yes, it is uncool, frustrating, effed up. I mean, just all all the words, all the words and all the feelings. Well, and, and, you know, I think part of me wants to go to this place where it's like, okay, y'all be very careful whenever you say or declare that you or someone else is the strong fill in the blank because the entire planet is going to hold you accountable for superpowers that you may not want to be held accountable for including yourself, how many of us have bullied ourselves into doing X, Y, Z, or, you know, whether it's, you know, giving birth and, you know, people are still in awe that, oh, Shana, you did your first triathlon three, you know, when Kendrick was three months old. And I'm like, yeah, because that's what I wanted to do, but don't let me be the standard bearer for other people who make different choices for different reasons. And so, you know, given that I just want us to be very careful how we use super fill in the blank. Like, I think you and I would both say Allison Felix is a superwoman, whether she gave birth or not, period. Right. Put, put a period at the end of the sentence. And it mm-hmm. just happens to be icing on an already good cake that she happened to give birth to a beautiful child and she has a family. Uh, that, it's a fine line, very fine line. You know, so if her child had been ugly, would it have been different? <laughs> I don't know if you just said beautiful child. I'm like, this is not- just saying see there you go see this is how we have our critical analysis here because i think all kids are beautiful but yeah standard again standard bears right standard bears yeah but and that and that's the point right there is that the expectations i mean child or not like i'm i also think too lisa which this is another thing that we don't really talk about as often um and unless we're going into the mental health space is I'm just thinking about, you know, since we're talking about super women in particular, you know, the strong women that may have given birth or had some type of child loss or, you know, those types of things are really difficult to quote unquote power your way through. And we don't talk about those situations either. So, you know, I, I just think that there's a, there's a lot of different ways to be a superhero, but I would strongly pump the brakes in regards to allowing other people to create the standard on which you determine your superpowers. I mean, there's, 
there's a push and pull here, right? Because you and I and our listeners could all say, okay, we're going to, we're going to hesitate to Mm -hmm. use the term superwoman either on ourselves or on other people, but that's, we exist in this larger culture where that terminology is still used and it's still used in a very particular way. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, looks and feels different based on your racial identity That's right. for sure. That's right. And so it's mm-hmm. like, so yes, individual action matters, but you're also in this, mm-hmm. you know, this tornado of what's being elevated and what's considered okay behavior. And now I'm just sorry, I'm processing through this, even thinking back to the word strong, like strong mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. things to different people. So is there even a problem right. with us using that term in the context of superwoman? and strength, Mm -hmm. like implicitly pairing those together. And, you know, what does it Mm -hmm. mean? How do we deconstruct strength and rebuild it to mean something else? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, Lisa, you're reminding me of this uh, ad. I don't know if you've caught it. It's, um, I think it's Fitbit. um, That's been, they've had this ad that's been running uh, recently that the language is what's, instead of what's wrong with me what's strong with me and it was trying to reframe and kind Mm -hmm. of reframe the the phrasing and the language of it and I do think that can be a positive thing for people but again to what extent it almost feels like you're either superwoman strong or nothing when we know that life is a very real you know gamut of at what level and when you know? Yeah. And then um, if you're not called strong, like if people don't label you strong, even in the absence of another label, the implicit assumption it. is that you're weak, right? That's it. Right, right, right. And there are no other choices other than right. strong or weak. Right. Yes, 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 yes. I'm with you on that. Yes, yes, yes. So, you know, to our point, y'all, <laughs> what we're saying is I, I don't think we're telling people I don't know, Lisa, help me out. I don't think we're telling people not to use the label of superwoman, um, right. but more so what are we labeling as superwoman? And I'm, I'm going to share something real yeah. quick, Lisa, um, in regards to this. I had a really good friend of mine who, when I was working with them and, and going through some things with them and they were going through a divorce and a bunch of other things, also an endurance sport athlete and, you know, at the height of, you know, health and wellness and so forth. She'd gone through counseling, you know, went to see her pastor and lots of different things, mental health professionals and so forth. And finally, she um, took on a low dose of medication and all of us as friends around her, she was thinking from a mental health perspective that she was a weak person when all of us around her were saying, no, actually, you're really strong because you're using your resources. You're using what's available to make sure that you're healthy. Yeah. And so how do we and that's just one example how do we continue to almost daily reframe what strength looks like and can be, you know, sometimes strength is calling your friend to say, Hey, I'm not feeling really great today, mentally or emotionally talk to me and that strength or whatever. So I don't know. I think we need to reframe and reclaim it. So it's not just people that are, uh, are, uh, making it to, to Tokyo. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and we can be super, in our own ways, we don't need to have like a golden lasso, you know, and, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, 
ridiculous superpowers but I do yes I think it's such a great topic and I feel like we've only really Mm -hmm. scratched the surface here because yeah it is it can be inspirational and it can be damaging all at the same time like you had said at the start of episode I think it's a double-edged sword right and we probably need to be more cognizant of how we're using it and how it ties into a construction of strength and how that really can harm us, harm women in particular who are doing so much, especially since the pandemic. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So do we want to hop into our favorite part of the podcast, Lisa? Hell yeah. Yes, ma'am. Woohoo. Let's do it. Hell yeah. Hell no. So Lisa, tell me about the hell yeah. What's going on with that? Okay. So it's very cool. Um, If you remember uh, a few years ago, there was a company or woman owned company that developed uh, CPR dummies that were actually women, right? Because Mm -hmm. they pointed out that crash dummies and CPR dummies are all based on men. Um, And so there was this complete absence of women in um, these particular forums. So this um, hell yeah is even better than that. Because there is this soon-to-be medical student from Nigeria um, called, um, we believe this is how you pronounce his name, Chidibere Ibe. And he has designed medical diagrams and images showing folks of color. So pregnant women of color, uh, men of color with their lungs or, you know, some other, you know, in the same way that you might open a textbook or be in a doctor's office and you see images of bodies that are cut open or, you know, the bones and such. If you actually think about it, that is almost always white dudes, except um, when the picture is uh, uh, of someone who is pregnant, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And this medical yep. student designed a number of these diagrams um, of folks with varying skin tones. And he has said, when you are so used to not being represented, you gasp when you are. And I just feel like that is so poignant because I never really noticed or paid attention to, even though I consider myself like a feminist and a gender equity person, the lack of women <laughs> uh, CPR yeah. models, right? And yes, um, yes. Yeah, I definitely noticed, like I noticed that the images in doctor's offices are white, but it never occurred to me um, that there was no representation of folks of color in those images, which, you know, Mm -hmm. is, uh, um, that's my white privilege right there. Um, And it was so normalized. So I think this, this is freaking awesome that he's done this. um, And he is going to be a student at Kiev Medical School in the Ukraine. And he has raised Mm -hmm. a ton of money through this initiative to help pay for his medical education. So hopefully he is going to um, change things up. Uh, I'm so thrilled because let me tell you, when when I pulled up those uh, illustrations, I I don't know if I gasped, but I was definitely Mm -hmm. in shock and feeling like, Shauna, you need to reevaluate your life when it comes to your uh, career as a DEI educator, because you've been looking at these things for years and never noticed it did not look like you. (laughs) So given that, or, you know, I just think that was so powerful and I'm so appreciative that, you know, I noticed and, and that this, this person is really kind of highlighting the challenge there because you're right. I had never thought about it until I saw this little brown mm-hmm. fetus in there. I'm like, wow. Yeah. So that's very cool. And and cool to see too, that the uh, funding is coming through from medical school. So if you have a brain like that going to medical school, 
yep our our, our future is probably in pretty good shape uh, i think in their so, hands, so. <laughs> well let me share with you the hell naw that really um frustrated me to no end, especially as someone who's kind of blowing the dust off of my old uh, seminary degree. Um, So a congressman, especially in the middle of all the frustration that's going on around uh, the possibility of of Roe versus Wade being overturned. See, Lisa, my blood pressure goes up just talking about this guy. So (laughs) congressman, this congressman who ironically is in a wheelchair, right? So we have this, the oppression Olympics already going on where you have a gentleman uh, who's in a wheelchair talking about women um, and how their bodies are earthen vessels that contain the fetus. Since we're talking about fetus today, we're talking about fetus today. Um, And I thought it was interesting because this person decided he wanted to use scripture out of context. I'm like, what? So... Paul, uh, who wrote this particular letter, wrote about uh, these these earthen vessels, which he's talking about pottery. At that time in scripture, there was a lot of uh, analogies connected to pottery. And so he made it seem as if women are these fragile clay pots, when in fact, for those of us who believe in this particular scripture, believe that, hello, Earth and vessels are everybody. We are all fragile. We all can be broken. It's the spirit that should remain intact. And so when he's talking about earth and vessels, I'm like, um, where did you go to school? Because there is not one school on the planet that would say that women are the only earthen vessels. And that particular analogy can only be directed at childbirth. What are you doing, sir? No, hot mess, misinterpretation. I feel very strongly this is frustrating for me, especially when I have friends and colleagues who I respect very Mm -hmm, deeply mm -hmm. who are not necessarily believers in scripture and they hear foolishness like this that we as studied uh, theologians and folks that interpret scripture now have to work against this uh, tide, if you will, of people who cherry pick scripture out of context in ways that are not useful, especially when it comes to shaming women and reducing women to, uh, I guess a clay pot is empty. Uh, Mm. He's just ridiculous. Um, I'm very frustrated um, with him and the fact that he proclaims to have, uh, to be an alumni of a Christian college. I'm like, "Mm." yeah, the the, uh, credibility of all alumni went down the moment that this man opened his mouth. Let me just say that. I feel like you need a mic, mic drop. I am so frustrated with this guy. And so, yeah, yeah, a very disturbing statement that is not accurate from a theological perspective. And even outside of a theological perspective, it is still extremely gendered. Mm -hmm. And I just want to. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I I choose violence when I think about these people. I don't want to choose violence, but they force me to. I go from Martin that's peaceful to Malcolm that's not when I hear this foolishness. It's frustrating. I love that you call it foolishness. Because when I when I read it, I got really mad. And then I was like, well, I am not educated on this. So I am going to send it to Shauna and get her interpretation in case I am like exploding. (laughs) 
inappropriately. So oh, I no, 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 no. I look, I and and one of the reasons, Lisa, why I was so appreciative that we got to talk about this was because this is one of the scriptures from many years ago when I was in seminary. We in fact created an entire worship service around this particular section of scripture. And so when you prepare a worship service, you do a lot of what we call exegesis, where we exegete or take the meaning out of the context to understand what was being said at the time. So this is one of the scriptures where I was like, oh, I know exactly what's happening with this one. And he's completely out of context. I would not say that I'm like a top-notch theologian, but that's one that I remembered very clearly. And he is completely out of order. So now when you see uh, the tweets in response to him, one of them was really funny. There's uh, someone named Emily that said, in response to his quote, um, my my soon-to-be spouse and I registered for a pair of earthen vessels in stone at Pottery Barn for our upcoming wedding. Like it's it's been the funniest thing now. Because, oh my gosh, that's fantastic! Oh my gosh, it's it's so funny. So yeah, I've been just giggling now. But to think that our country's uh, mm-hmm. future is in the hands of someone who can so inaccurately uh, interpret scripture is problematic in many ways. Whether you believe as as a Christ follower or not, it's still extremely problematic. So here we are. Yes. So that is well worthy of our hell nah, hell uh, nah. label Mm-mm. this week, I think. And he obviously needs to speak to you. The Unfazed Podcasts and all things Feisty Triathlon are grateful to be supported by Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker cuts through the noise of diet and wellness trends by analyzing your blood, DNA, and lifestyle to provide you a personalized, science-backed, trackable action plan on how to live, age, and perform better. Inside Tracker is a simpler, cheaper, and more convenient option than traditional blood tests, and their test includes biomarkers that are key to performance that you don't get from the traditional option. What we love about them? They don't just give you data. They provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips to take action. Inside Tracker is offering 25% off their entire store to the Feisty Triathlon community. To claim your offer, go to insidetracker.com slash feistytriathlon. Unfazed, a podcast produced by Live Feisty Media and supported by the Outspoken Women in Triathlon Summit. Edited and produced by the fabulous Lindsay Glassford. Email us at info at unfazedpodcast.com and find us on social at Try to Defy, at Dr. Gold Speaks, or at Outspoken Women in Try. I'm Lisa. I'm Shauna. Thanks for listening. Stay unfazed, folks. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>